they assured me, put all your presentations, all your prophetic word, everything on there. And, you know, no one uses paper anymore, mum. Well, they're doing the spiel just like Charles did, introducing me. And I flip my laptop on and I'm all ready for my notes to pop up. And up flush, it flashes this flashing ball that says Windows updating 1%. Now, I don't really know what that means, but when you look at the 19-year-old who has this look of horror on his face, I'm like, Harrison, what does this mean? And he's like, it's not good, Mum. <laughs> it's not good. I'm like, what do you mean it's not good? So I ditched the 19-year-old, went to the 15-year-old, because it seems the younger, the younger they are, the better they are at it. So we've got this laptop going up and down the row, and they're like, the tithe thing's done. And I'm like, boys now <laughs> and uh, in the end Josh is like you have to sit this out you have to just let it go three percent five percent I'm like we don't have that time so I shut the laptop I prayed over it and then I just walked up the front and opened it up and like going and there it was it had disappeared and I was like okay I'm back on paper I, I don't care what anyone says <laughs> I do not trust it I noticed your IT went down this morning I said to Stu it's us <laughs> everywhere we go <laughs> So it is good to be back here and uh, we have had a wonderful time. This is our uh, 13th uh, preaching or engagement in eight days. So we got one to go tonight and we have loved it. Um, I think I've watched that Alpha video <laughs> 14 times. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, so, you know, it is absolutely great to have been able to to um, you know, meet so many of you and I was just really impressed. Traditionally at the health events we don't usually get a lot of men and you guys, you know, in particular the men's event just overwhelmed me with how eager you were to, to learn things and receive and also bridge that you know, body, soul, spirit gap and, and come up for prayer as well. So uh, today, uh, I think, is going to be a bit messy. I've got lots of things that in prayer the Lord has wanted me to do. So if it doesn't flow, that's okay. That was the plan. Um, I just am being obedient to what God has for me for your service today. It looks different than what was at Bendigo. It looks different to what was at Box Hill, and that excites me. So it also keeps me on my toes a bit because what I plan never goes according to plan. So... I want to just touch back on making this bridge from what we've done in these last few days about health. You know, people come to the health events because they want information, because they've got a challenge. Most people don't usually come because they feel great and they don't, they don't really need anything. They come because there's a need. And I think globally we could look around and uh, it would be fair to say that most of us know someone who's had a major health challenge or you've been touched with cancer or heart or autoimmune. And, uh, you know, I've been in this industry for 22 years and we are getting super smart. We are getting really clever with medical and surgical and drugs and we're great. And then the other side of it is we still bury people with cancer and we still lose people. And we now have 380 autoimmune diseases and climbing. And so, you know, we have this misfit that, um, you know, we're smart and yet we have another whole set of problems. And, you know, today I just wanted to be really honest with you and I have never done this, what I'm preaching with you, I was with any other church. And, uh, you know, I have basically spent the last 12 years um, trying to work out who God wants me to be. You need to understand that I have patients who come in who, um, 
you know, are asking me great medical questions, but I know they're going to pass away. You know, I know that we can't save them. I have non-Christians who find Jesus and are completely healed. I have Christians who know Jesus and pass away. And for me, there's just this been this wrestle. Why doesn't God heal all my patients? He's got a Christian stationed in this office, 16 patients a day. Why doesn't he just heal them all? Why does he have me prescribing pills? Why does he have me counselling? Why does he have me changing diet? Um, So is it my lack of faith? I pray over probably six to eight of my patients every day. I think that's pretty pretty good to be able to do that. But should I have prayed over all 16? You know, so I have debated in my own work life and then I get to do this which is what I dearly love and uh, for me there's been this misfit but on top of that there's a reason why I'm sharing all of this I have had just this horror medical health and life in general run and uh, God wanted me to share that with you today for some reason and look I know that we've all got stories but like seriously I have a cracker it's just it's a when I just read through this sometimes I just am overwhelmed with the fact that I'm still alive so just I want to spend a few minutes sharing this because I think it's actually going to unpack some things for people here today So part of my personal journey, and I know you've heard part of it. Some of you have never heard my testimony, but so I'm not going to go back into that in detail. But, you know, I was diagnosed with my first autoimmune disease when I was seven years old. So I have uh, vitiligo. That's the white patches you'll see on my skin. Yes, it's the same thing Michael Jackson had. And uh, it doesn't do anything, but it is an autoimmune disease that attacks organs and cells of your body. Uh, it's not contagious or anything, but, it, but you know, by age seven to have your first autoimmune disease. Fast forward uh, a couple of years from there, in my late teens, I had a cancer scare where a really large lymph node in my neck when I was 18 uh, popped up. And, you know, in that moment when I was 18, I still reflect back at that time when your life is threatened and you go to the bad place of I'm going to die and I don't want to fight cancer and all of that. It's, it was really a dark time in my life. Fast forward just a, a couple of years on, had two children, both who decided they didn't want to come out the normal way, one of whom braced himself in there and literally had to be pried out. So I had two cesarean sections. But unfortunately, the second one, uh, a week after I had him, um, I stood up off the couch one day and this massive pool of blood just came out of me. And it's like the movies. It was literally like that. And I was standing in a pool of blood and had hemorrhaged. So I tripped to hospital, had a medical operation and got sent home. A week later, I was in the shower and I bent down and the shower filled with blood. I hemorrhaged again. And uh, so another trip to hospital, another operation. A week later, I hemorrhaged again. By then I said to my surgeon, do I get a set of steak knives? Like, you know, this is my, basically my fourth. So I had four operations in four weeks with a newborn baby. And finally they worked out what the problem was. Uh, But you can imagine the drain on your body. I was white like ceiling white. They didn't give me a blood transfusion. I probably should have had one, but it took me months to recover. Fast forward only two years from there, I went through a devastating divorce that uh, rocked me to my core. And uh, it wasn't something that I chose. It was something that I was forced into that situation. And uh, it doesn't matter for whatever reason, but it had just a devastating effect on my my every part, body, my soul, my spirit, all of me was just ripped to shreds. 
fast forward one year from there, and some of you know this, but I got the opportunity to go to a uh, a uh, resort, uh, Hayman Island, for a business trip. And on the last day, I went snorkeling. And what I didn't know is that the dive uh, boat and the dive shop wasn't disinfecting the snorkeling equipment as it came in. And I was giving contaminated snorkeling equipment. And uh, the next day when I flew home, I came down with this raging temperature. uh, Within five days, I ended up in the palliative care ward in one of our major hospitals. I actually stayed there five and a half weeks. But on the 6th of August 2006, at 11 o'clock at night, I had this profound experience where I knew I was going to die. And I came out of my body and sat up on the bed head and looked down at my body, this broken, you know, only the year before I'd lost the person that I dearly loved. I was rejected and betrayed and, and, you know, every word in the thesaurus, okay, was basically uh, what I was feeling. And I had this broken, broken body. My children weren't with me and um, they were with my parents. Obviously, I was sick. And uh, the body was broken. And just as I, I lifted off that bed head and Jesus appeared right next to me and put out his hand for me. And as I grabbed his hand, he said to me, now I know you trust me. And I got sent back, slammed back onto the bed head, slammed like car accident slam back into my body. And I woke up thinking, what the flip just happened? I was an Anglican at the time. Those kind of things do not happen to Anglicans, let me tell you. And uh, I was freaking out. And so for me, that that, uh, started a journey. But unfortunately, uh, only six months later, because of the sheer infection that was in my lungs, so even though I'd seen Jesus and got sent back, a lot of people were like, well, were you healed? No, I was gravely ill for five and a half weeks in, in palliative care. But then it took me another seven months to recover because of the sheer amount of bacteria, the mycoplasma from the snorkeling equipment, that was still in my blood, my thyroid decided to shut down. And so suddenly I'm feeling very unwell because there's repercussions of some of these illnesses. Fast forward another year or two and I have a massive gallbladder attack and I go into hospital and the surgeon takes out the wrong organ. He takes out my appendix. Serious. Now, my husband, my new husband then, was, is not his most calm, passive person, but I was so sick waking up from having my appendix out because I still got my gallbladder problem, right? And my husband's literally got the doctor, the surgeon by the collar. <laughs> what have you done to my wife? Fix it. And he says, oh, yeah, maybe it was her gallbladder. Yeah, we'll take that out tomorrow. So I had my appendix out on a Friday, my gallbladder out on a, on a Sunday, Anyone feeling better about their own life? And I haven't even got to the good stuff yet. (laughs) Fast forward another year. um, I basically come off an international flight from, uh, where were we, Vietnam, with uh, food poisoning. I was only home an hour and I was medevac to hospital with like a team in moon suits because I was like, I'd come off an international flight. I'm sure they thought I had Ebola. And I ended up (laughs) in nine days with chronic salmonella poisoning. And, and like, you know, when doctors do their rounds and, you know, they come and visit you every day, I was so sick with salmonella poisoning, I couldn't get out of the loo. So the whole medical team would come into the loo, do the, like, you just got no words, right? 
you know, you've already had babies, you already have no pride, but when there's like 11 in your toilet space and everyone's discussing your bowel habits, serious. Fast forward another year, Stu convinced me in the Clare Valley to eat a little dim sim. I'm a nutritionist, I don't eat dim sims. I said, these don't taste right. He says, no, no, put some plum sauce on it. It'll taste fine. I end up for seven days in the Royal Adelaide Hospital with Campylobacter poisoning. And uh, then I get quarantined by the health department from my own medical practice because I'm highly contagious. So I'm banned from seeing patients for 21 days. In the middle of that, we have a farm and doing harvest at the farm and I'm on my hands and knees in the orchard gaining, getting seeds and all this kind of stuff for next year's harvest, I give myself aspergillus mould poisoning. I wasn't using gloves and a mask, wrong, bad. And I come out in hives, you know, like 500 hives at a time. My lips are swelling like I've had the worst Botox ever. It's, um, so we have this ongoing challenge of nine months treatment of mould poisoning. On top of that, my son, who was 13 at the time, suddenly decides to go, um, so he's in year seven, starts a new school and goes uh, suddenly with a massive bowel problem and he has goes from one poo a day to 17 to 20 a day. I can't get him off the toilet. Um, this went on for half a year. He actually missed 25 weeks of school. During that time, I also nursed both my parents who got rare, rare bowel cancers five years apart. At one stage, I had Stu in bed sick, Josh in the toilet sick, and my dad in the front room who I was palletising with um, esophageal and bowel cancer. You know, this is crazy. Fast forward then another year, I'm tiptoeing out of our house to not wake everyone up during school holidays with a laptop, mobile phone and a protein shake in my hands and high heels, clip the top step of our staircase, do four somersaults down the stairs, fracture my spine and obliterate my coccyx. I then end up with two bulging discs and a nerve trapped in my spine. On top of that, Stu and I have been married nine and a half years. Between the two of us, we've been in an ambulance and hospitalised 12 times. Our, our health fund hates us. We just, we're on overload excess. Like even the week before, the Tuesday before we went to Bendigo, there was a time when we nearly had needed another ambulance. You know, it's just absolutely crazy. On top of that... I've personally lost five family members, immediate family members in five years to tragic circumstances. So I'm 44 and I'm the eldest in my family. I've completely lost my, my history, my heritage. There's nobody left except for my two children. And, uh, you know, this is a really difficult place to be when, uh, when you have this unrelenting rolling attacks. And on top of that, all up about 12 years of just intense grief and stress and warfaring just to contend with and I, I've given you like the top 15 there's just a there, I would bore you if I told you all the other stuff so why did God have me share all of that craziness uh, it's not for pity I know that it's um, here I am plonked right in the middle of the health industry and right in the middle of an apparent healing ministry what a laugh Okay, I know what people must say. You know, she's in healing ministry. I'm not going to go and hear her. Did you hear both her parents died of cancer? Like, you know, did you know how sick they've been? I would probably have to be one of the most unqualified people to be here. Or maybe I'm the most qualified. 
Maybe it's the opposite. In my search for the plan, because all I've done is search and search and all this craziness, it has to mean something, right? He showed me maybe it's not the healing that he wanted me to find. Maybe it's his voice. Maybe it's what he's talking to me about. Do you know, a few weeks ago I was in Melbourne Airport and my flight was delayed, delayed about three hours. So I was heading uh, to go and sit down and have some quiet time. And I heard so clearly from God start to talk to me about Elijah, the prophet, in uh, 1 Kings 19, if anyone's looking up the reference, 11 to 13. So just to reference this, you know, Elijah uh, was running from Jezebel. He was tucked up in a little cave saying, smite me, Lord, take me out. I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, Can this end? And uh, then this happens. I'm just going to read to you. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And then Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he's out the front of the cave and this wind's happening and things are falling apart and there's earthquakes and fire. Like, this is crazy. But he hears the Lord's whisper in the craziness. You know, in the airport, God was telling me in that moment, he wasn't in my divorce He wasn't in my organ loss. He wasn't in the ambulance trips. He wasn't in my dad's death. He wasn't in the craziness, the despair, the trauma, the just unrelenting wave of attack. But he was there in the whisper. He was, I cannot deny, he was there all the time with me. But it just didn't look like and I was focusing on the wrong thing. It's interesting that at the very end of this, in the craziness, you know, when you hear the whisper and God says, come out of the cave, come out into the danger, you know, I don't think I would have been doing that. I would have been probably tucked up the back of the cave waiting for some Navy SEALs to come and get me, right? I don't think I would be, it's a bit crazy out there. And now I hear a whisper to say, come out. Potentially there's going to be more. And, you know, for me, these waves of attack I'm not fearful of the attacks anymore. I'm not fearful of the craziness because I know he's there in the whisper. He never left me. And so for me, what I've learned that, you know, you may be focusing right now on the floods and the fires and all this craziness, but I want you to change your shift today. I want you to shift what you're thinking and I want you to start listening for your father's voice. Listen for that whisper. I pondered Jesus. I was in the airport and I'm pondering Jesus in the garden just before he was crucified can you imagine the noise in his head can you like just for a minute you can't even imagine what it would be like what did he need he needed to hear his father's voice he knew he was in chaos he just needed the whisper and he's like dude can we not do this could someone else do this please and God's just whispering it's okay we've got to do this thing and he what did he do he stepped out Like Elijah in the cave, he stepped out, he heard the whisper, I'm going to go do this anyway. So my father has business today, words from heaven. 
And so uh, you may not be hearing clearly right now because I know when I was in the chaos, I went to other people. I went to my husband, I went to my elders, I went to my, my pastors, I went to my friends and said, you know, can you pray for me right now? I'm kind of got a lot of noise going on. I need a word. I, I need to hear from my father. Sometimes I heard directly. Sometimes I had dreams. Sometimes I had visions. Sometimes I heard him. Um, sometimes my friends just steered it and said, we're praying for you right now while you can't. So to be honest, I don't really have anything, I don't have much else for you. There's a few other things we're going to do, but I know that um, in these last few months, uh, God's been preparing me. I've been so stretched to be in 14 different places in eight days. I have literally been praying about this service and God giving me specific words for people in this service and then the Box Hill one's different. And in faith, I've just been writing these down as I hear the Lord uh, share them. So some of you may not have ever experienced prophetic word before and so I just want to clarify what that is to be prophetic is to be God's mouthpiece to speak from God's heart and most of us have had a foretelling uh, prophetic word which is something's going to happen in the future and then that confirms down the track and you go wow God had said that was going to happen um, but there's another one which is also forthtelling, and that is speaking forth the heart of God for you right now in this season. Um, usually the idea of a prophetic word is to edify and build up and to encourage people. It's not to condemn you. It's not to embarrass you. It's meant to make you leave and go, that was awesome. I, I can keep going. I feel encouraged. Now, something else that we experience a lot, and this is not scriptural, this is my experience, is that the Lord also can prophesy in an area, um, particularly externally through other people, where it's an area where you have not been praying or you're not willing to let the Lord into. And I want to just give you an example. About nine months ago, eight months ago, uh, I was given the opportunity of a TV show. It was like a really big one. It would have been a Channel 9. Uh, it was like the, bi the big one, Doctors, Oz, kind of Oprah kind of show. But I also had the chance of running two businesses into India, which would be just incredible platforms for evangelism, but business. I uh, also already do TV and some radio and I've got the practice. And so you can't do all of that, right? You have to choose. So I've got all these things. And I have two friends, uh, both businessmen. One's very prophetic, but they're both very good uh, Christian businessmen. So I went to my council because I just didn't know what to do. And uh, spoke to the first one, said, this is what's on offer. What do you think I should do? He paused for a minute and said, mate, I think you should just pick something. Pick the thing that you want to do the most. And I just really believe that God's going to bless it. And I got off the phone and my spirit, my heart, I just felt dead. I thought, that's not right. You know, I, I honestly don't believe God wants me to choose something and he's just going to bless it. So I put the phone down and I rang the second guy, same thing. And I finished and he paused. There's nothing on the end of the phone. I could hear he was praying. And then he said, mate, I think you should do nothing. I think you should reject everything and just do nothing. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that wasn't what I was asking you. I was asking you, do I get to do TV or radio or do I get to, which glorious thing do I get to do? And he's like, as long as I've known you, you've been stressed. And I just really feel the Lord is saying, do nothing. I was like, great. Thank you very much. Hang up the phone, ball my eyes out. Just the power of God just hits me. And I prayed 
and then I just systematically just made started making phone calls and uh, just cancelling everything. Got rid of all my staff except my front desk. I, I just sorry, I can't do this anymore. Can't do this anymore. I literally just in total faith did that. When that word hit my spirit, I knew I'd received a prophet's reward. In Matthew ten forty one, it says, "Whoever welcomes a prophet." as a prophet, will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person will re- uh, as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. Now, what is a prophet's reward? It's the ability to do something that you couldn't have done one second before you received that word. Okay, if Stuart said to me, honey, I think you need to quit everything. You know, there was not landing anywhere, but I knew I was ringing a prophet friend. And when he gave me that word, it hit my spirit. The Holy Spirit hovered over that and said, this is right, this is true. Gave me the ability in that moment to do that. So as you get prophetic words today, some of you didn't know that you knew and then you knew. Does that make sense? No, didn't, did it? So, you know, sometimes you're like, I so did not know that about myself. I didn't, I didn't even think that was still there in me. But as you receive a word, if something shifts, then, you know, feel the pain, do it anyway, receive that word. And there may be action that you can take or a healing that takes place, you know, in the seconds following you receiving that word. Okay. So there's one more thing. I told you it was going to be a bit messy. Um, There's one more thing that I want to do. I might get the worship team back up with me for a couple of minutes. Um, Is that there's two things that the Lord wants me to sort of do business in the house today. And one of them was I want to give an opportunity for people to to invite Jesus into their heart. Um, You may have, you don't even know what that means. It means basically to leave all your mess behind. You know, in a nutshell, for keeping this really simple, all the things you've done wrong, all the burdens you carry, all the wounds you have, the shame, the disappointments, all the fires, all the earthquakes, all the storms, the things that you carry around with you, you don't actually have to have them. And there is an opportunity which we're going to be doing right now for those of you who may have never actually done that. And I believe that it is people that you know, have never actually really stepped over and said, you know what, I actually want to leave this junk here today. I don't want to carry this anymore and I don't understand about this whisper thing and I don't understand about having a relationship with God. That comes next. This is about saying I don't want to actually keep my life being the same way and I can't carry these loads. So it's basically dumping the bad and replacing it with good. Now, Here's what I understand the good to be. The good is the one and only God. There is only one God and he made us so we would just know him. So all we would do is talk and love and have a relationship with him. But we got it very, very wrong. Not just us, but everyone right back. We sinned and what that did is it just put a distance, put a distance between us and God. He loved us so much that he became a man, Jesus, and came here on earth and lived a perfect life. No one can do that. There is no way, no matter how good you are, that you can ever live a perfect life. To the point where people hated him so much that they put him on a cross and he died. And he took all the punishment for every single person for the rest of 
the time till he comes back for the burden of the sin that we are all going to do and keep doing. One man takes all of that over and over and over. All he wants us to do is repent and be sorry. We miss this so often. We say, Jesus, I want you to help me. Jesus, I want you to come into my life. But we miss the important bit, which is I don't want to have this junk anymore. I don't want to continue to keep it. And I don't want to have these things happening in my life. I'm sorry that I've had this distance. He wants us to repent, be sorry, and then put our trust in Jesus. The same way when he put his hand out for me and he said, now I know you trust me. I had no idea what that meant. But in that moment, I thought this has to be a better option, right? Because what I'm currently doing is not working out that great for me. I put my hand out and I grabbed him. So we get to start our life when you grab his hand, when you say, I am accepting Jesus. You grab his hand and say, I'm restarting. I've left this. I've got a clean slate. Do you know, I really believe that in 2006, when I was lying in that hospital bed, and I already knew Jesus before then, but you know what? When I grabbed his hand, you know, he was not embarrassed of me. You know, I ran to him, I grabbed that hand, and for me, I got a clean slate. Doesn't mean that I wasn't, you know, still crying and still rejected and still hurting, but it started a process for me where I started to learn how to do life with Jesus. It was a completely different way doing grief with Jesus than grief in my old my old life. The way of doing my divorce with Jesus than doing it the old way. So today the same offer's there. It might just not be a hospital room. This might be your thing today. And I just want to ask you if you've had enough of your junk, if you've had enough of doing life that way, you might just be stubborn. You might have been in church for ages but never actually said, yeah, I'm jumping over that line. I'm willing to give stuff up. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to have one worship song. And for anyone who's not made that decision, I'm going to be down the front. Do you know what? Be bold. Come down the front and come down to me. Do you know, he's not ashamed of you. Why would you be ashamed? You know, I really believe when you make a step of faith and come out and say, could you just pray for me and get this junk off me? I want to leave it here, but I want the good back in. You've got to fill that void with something. You just can't dump junk and go back to your normal life. We've got to make that step. So I'm going to be down the front for one song. I've got heaps to do. So don't sit there and thinking she's going to drag this out. So if you're not coming down the front, I want you to ponder for a few minutes. I just want you to think about the fires, the storms, the earthquakes in your life. And I want you to just ponder in this one song, where did you miss the whisper? Or did you have a whisper? Okay, and I want you to just think about how glorious it was and just thank Him that He was there in the whisper. I look back and go, thank you when I came out of that surgery, you were with me. Thank you that in all the craziness, when I when I prayed to you and said, what do I do about my dad? And He said, I'm taking your father home. I want you to honour your father. He whispered to me, your dad's going to die and you have to look after him. I battened down those hatches. I hated it, but I knew what my goal was. My goal was to honour my father and get him home. And so if you miss that whisper, uh, you don't want to learn more lessons. So in this next little time, ponder earthquakes, fires, storms. Where's your whisper in your life? And then I'm going to be back for the prophetic words.
Awesome. I might just get you to just take a seat for a moment while we do these words. Everyone had some good time with God then? A few storms and earthquakes and things coming off. Squirrel. Now, with the prophetic words, I've got lots written down. Uh, but first of all, there's uh, I've got something for the church as a whole. There's something the Lord showed me that He wants to do, and uh, that was something a little bit different with communion. This is very new for me too, um, particularly after people had heard what I was about to say about communion, but also once people had received prayer. I believe the Lord wants to actually bring a correction in this place. And I want to read this scripture to you and bring conviction just over your heart and new revelation. I think this is going to be key for people getting healings today. 1 Corinthians 11.23. This is about communion. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. So then whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. So the Lord wants me to pray for people. And once your heart's right with God, or as the Scripture says, you've discerned the body of Christ, what I want you to do is we've got two pods up the back of communion. So I want you to then go and take communion in your own time. This is what the Lord was showing me to tell you to do. I'm just being obedient. I've put a Scripture up the back because He has said specifically for you guys, as you take communion and you've got right, he wants you to proclaim over yourself, Isaiah 53, 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punish that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. So as you take communion, I've written them up there. You can read them and speak them over yourself. I believe people are going to get healed at those communion tables. Get your eyes off me. I'm going to give you these prophetic words. I'm just a messenger, a mouthpiece today. So, you know, if you get a word, you don't need Kimberly Douglas to pray over you to make it a done deal. Okay, these are words from the Lord. So if a word rings true with you, Spend some time with it. Get that conviction. Go up and commune with Him. If you feel like a word is incomplete and you want me to pray, come down the front to me first. Or if you have, you feel like you need prayer for something, come to me first, then go up the back and do the rest with the Lord. But I want you to take your eyes off of me and what's important. Searching your heart and mind and discerning the body of Christ. What does that mean? It means reflect on any area of your heart that is not operating how it should be as a follower of Jesus Christ. I was so convicted when God started talking to me about this. Things like holding on to a grudge. 
maybe the lie you told, the porn you watched, the addictions you have, the gossip you had, the thoughts you had, the person you still haven't uh, forgiven. The Lord wants me to challenge you that from today, this is the way we need to take communion, to purposely search your heart and clear the deck. You know, so quickly we do communion and we say, sorry, Lord, we sort of repent for the last week, but He wants us to go right back. He wants us to search, you know, some of the big things. And that's part of what I believe is when I give these prophetic words, it's digging some of the junk that as Christians we still carry, but we've got to clear it and then get right. So I'm going to read out some of these words. And uh, I know so many instructions today. Can you see why I had paper? So uh, I'm going to read the words. You're either going to receive the word, bypass me. I'm totally happy with that and go to the communion pod. Or you're going to come down the front. And I think there'll be Stu and Charles and a few. Um, Just please wait. I will stay. I'm here well, the next service is five o'clock, okay? So please, let's not go till five. But, um, but uh, you know, I'll stay as long as it takes. I'm not going to go anywhere. So if you want prayer, uh, you want privacy, then you just hang around. I'll be ready. Now, um, during worship today, uh, God showed me that someone walked in and they were carrying this massive, heavy load. They were over, overloaded. It was like you were just carrying way too many shopping bags. And this was just, you know, the floods, the fires, the earthquakes. Whoever that person is, I'd like you to come forward to prayer. You just have to say to me, I'm the, I'm the one carrying all the junk. And I'd want to specifically pray for you before you go to the table. Um, I also, is Anne-Marie here? Anne-Marie, there you are, darling. She looked after us yesterday. Um, in the middle of the night, God woke me up about you, which is, I don't know why he waits till 3am, because I'm perfectly awake at 7. Um, just got a beautiful word for you. And he has given you a gifting and a spirit of meekness. And I think this is a really precious thing, gentleness and meekness. Do you understand? You know, maybe go and do a, do a word search on that and really unpack what he's saying but he's saying you are coming into a time of boldness and this is going to be really unusual for you because you're going to go into a wrestle between this kindness and meekness and this beautiful spirit but gift that he has for you you're going to start getting this fire and you're going to start getting really bold and you're going to be in a bit of a wrestle over it. You need to know that it's from Him. You've got that many people around you that love you and can support you in that and tell you when you're getting a bit off track, like, hey, calm the farm girl for a while. You're a bit too, you know, you've got people that love you, but it's meekness and kindness. Don't lose that. Don't get so bold. Don't let arrogance come on. It won't. You've got this seed, okay? And just, God just is going to massively use you in boldness. It's going to be so unusual, okay? Now, I also have a word for the the church that there is a change of speed coming. Now, I don't know what that means. He didn't tell me anything more. I just want to lay that as a foundation as we leave here uh, tomorrow, that there is a change of speed coming. Now, uh, I don't know. I was like, I've been searching it for ages. He just won't say anything more. So it's not for me. Uh, I don't know. I was like, is it going to get super fast? What's going to happen? Or is it going to slow down? Maybe I don't tell Pastor Charles, you know. (laughs) Uh, But it's just a change of speed. So just be ready for that. Um, I am uh, the hearts. Your hearts are the same as the body of Christ. 
but your purpose, your flavour is different. So he recognises that your heart is like all the other churches, but he's saying your purpose and your flavour is different. I hear this, outreach, outreach, outreach. I hear three outreaches. Okay, so I just want to lay that seed and you guys as a, as a church and leadership can pray around what those are. Uh, I only have two of the three given to me. One is men, 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 men. If you start outreaching as one of those three towards men, it is going to explode. God is on it. The Holy Spirit's going before you. I think that's part of what happened yesterday with the men's shed thing. We had some great people from the men's shed. and But I just believe that if you structure the next 12 months around outreach and men, the second outreach is the lost. So I don't know what you can put in place around that. I'm just giving you the word. You guys now take it and pray about it as with prophetic word, park it, let God confirm it. I don't know what the third one is. I have searched and searched and I don't know. So men and the lost, please. I just know 12 months from now, this is going to be completely different service with who is going to be sitting here. Okay, so that's sort of what's happened in the last um, 24 hours. Now, um, the next thing, I have a very unusual word and I'm hearing the name um, Denise or Dennis. I don't know. I, I cannot work it out, but it doesn't matter because whoever that is, I see a man stand. I saw a vision of you and I saw a man in a beard standing next to you. It was really strange. But this man has done, or this person uh, has taken something from you, okay? They've either hurt you or st- I don't know what it is, but this person represents that they have taken something from you. But then the vision shifted. This person disappeared and it became Jesus. And Jesus actually took back off of you or took back off what that person had taken from you. It was like this exchange. So I don't know who that is, but can you come up and so I can pray about it. But really believe there's been a wound by this person and Jesus then has come into it and is actually going to repair that wound completely. So whoever that is, come forward. There's someone here and you're waiting on an operation on your knees or your hips. So uh, whoever's waiting and in that horrible holding pattern, please, I would like to lay hands and pray. Uh, There's someone here um, who has eczema and it really affects your life. Um, Obviously, eczema's on your skin. Um, There's someone with a heart valve problem. You get breathless and it really impacts the work that you do. Now, you know, some of these words, they're just complete. I don't have any more. Just, you know, the word is you have a heart valve problem and you get breathless. Take it to the communion table. Say, I claim that word and I read that scripture from Isaiah and I take communion worthily again into me and I expect that heart valve to be healed in Jesus' name. There's a man, this is work-related. Your word is you've been climbing and climbing, pursuing and striving, but all you have is emptiness and feel unfulfilled. The Lord says it's time to stop. You won't find what you're looking for. He is the only one that can fill the void in your heart and that feeling like you are not good enough. Okay. Now this next word, and you can see that this is printed. I haven't been travelling with a with a printer. I was given some of these words three and four months ago. And now this one is really important. 
there's someone here and you've had significant financial loss, today he is taking your feeling of failure and throwing it away. He is saying, don't go there anymore. While your thoughts hover hover over the loss, it holds you back. You are missing new opportunities. How often do we know that when something bad happens, we get bound up in that and we miss the, the provision that God's trying to bring through? You know who you are. You know you'll be feeling it in your heart. There's a word for someone struggling with sin that you can't break through. Repentance is not just turning away from something, but it's turning toward something. You haven't broken through the sin because your focus was on the sin. You keep saying, I need it broken. I need prayer. I need prayer. I need prayer. And you keep repenting. And then in all your strength, you're trying to, back, you're trying to stop from backsliding all the time. But He wants to show you a new revelation about His blood, His light, hence the communion. It's what you're turning to. If you're just trying to turn away and you have nothing in its place, as I said, you take the the bad out, but you've got to put the good back in. And so repentance is about turning away from, but saying, come with me, come into me, take that communion into you. There are many people here who have dry bones. You know you're dry, empty and ineffective. They're the three words. I want to pray for all those people who feel like they have dry bones. You can come down the front before you take communion. We're just going to speak life back into your cells. There's a lady here who really struggles with binge eating. It drives you crazy and you've never been able to get a handle on it. Stress is your driver. It's your open door. The Lord is saying it is a bad cycle for you. You must learn how to apply His blood daily because of where you're at in your life. You can't wait till every Sunday. You need to be daily taking communion with Him. And this is a warfare against your stress and your addictions. Remember saying repent and turn the other way, but you've got to have something else in its place daily for you. There's someone here who gets tendonitis, bad tendons, that's um, like down the backs of your legs. And I see that person with aching legs at the back. There's some words that have been spoken over someone as a child. And this person kept saying, you were not good enough. And it's held you back from really fulfilling everything that God has for you. So whoever is that word, um, that's it. Go up the back, have some time with God. He knows He's calling you. It may not be by name, but He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows the daily struggles that you have. There's a lady who cries all the time. You feel miserable and alone, even when, even though you've got friends. Satan wants you to be isolated. A long time ago, a long time ago, you were dangerous to him. But now... Uh, you're not so dangerous to him because you've just been paralyzed by this. He's winning. It's time to wake up and fight back whoever you are. It says in Job 22, 28, I have a scripture for you. You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. It's time to repent for being stuck. And then start making some declarations over your life again. The Lord is saying, you start repenting and then making a declaration. You haven't done this in years. All those old prophetic words, all those things that were spoken over you, all those promises, start declaring them. And as it says, and it will be established for you. You're coming back. 
There's someone here, you've lost your joy. You didn't even realise until I've just said it. You can feel it in your heart. Your joy has been lost. I have a scripture for you, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Just let that resonate on you. We're nearly there. There's someone and you haven't been very nice to your kids and your spouse, but you're disappointed in yourself. But you can't seem to get on top of it and you can't seem to, you seem to have lost a bit of control over your kids and your household. Whoever you are, I'd love to pray with you. Come forward. There's someone else. I see a black cloud over your head and uh, it's all about your future, that your future to you seems bleak. It seems passive. It doesn't seem exciting. It's just like, ugh. I see someone who's been in a shock and it's from a past incident. It's a long time ago, but there's this remnant from that shock that keeps triggering and you haven't actually fully recovered. I'd like to pray with you. And finally, there's a young woman. The Lord is saying you need to believe that you are called. Sorry. You need to believe what you are called. This is really interesting. He says you would not respond to a name that wasn't yours. So if someone called out Mary or Kate and that's not your name, you wouldn't respond back. So he says, so why do you believe what the devil calls you? That's an awesome word for someone. They're not the right names. You need to know what I am calling you, he says. Okay, I'm going to say this again. I don't know who this is for. It's a young woman. The Lord is saying you need to know what you are called. You would not respond to a name that wasn't yours. Okay, if someone called out Mary or Kate. So why would you believe what the devil calls you? They are not the right names. You are my child, my beloved, my perfection are your words. Whoever you are, love to pray with you. So I'm done with those words. So we're going to have a bit of worship again. Uh, for those that have got their word and they're like, I'm going to take communion. You just get up the back and get with God. Those that want me down the front, it's ministry time. That's great. Can we please just be respectful uh, in here of this space? You know, this is the hospital moment for some people. This is a holy place. So I think I'm going to hand back to Charles to close the meeting. You can sneak out the back. And uh, it has been an absolute pleasure being with you guys and an honour. And uh, I'm done. Hey, praise God. You know, it's one thing to hear the word. It's a second thing now to respond to it. So I want to encourage everybody in this place, whether there was a word specifically for you, whether you need some prayer, I want to encourage you to make time for that. Everybody else? want to encourage you to take uh, communion. But can we stand and let's uh, close in prayer. What we're going to do along the front is uh, we're going to clear the front row and the row over here to your right. And uh, If you need prayer, uh, Kimberly wants to pray for you all. We'll, we'll seat you around the front as best we can. And then we'll, we'll make a way to make sure that uh, uh, you get your moment with God and prayer. Uh, but let's pray.
Dear God, I thank you that you're in this place. I thank you, Lord God, that there are things this morning that are being restored, reshaped, challenged, and grown, Lord. And we just pray that as we take communion, we do it in the right spirit, with the right heart, as we reflect on that once more this morning. But also, Lord, a, a, a fresh understanding of the authority we've gained through communion because of what you've done, Jesus. We thank you for that. Lord, I just pray that every person in this place, Lord, your hand of blessing will be on them this week. And, and Lord, we pray that it'll be on, on the meeting tonight as well. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So what I'll do is we'll, we'll sing this song. I, I will close the meeting now. Um, but I want to encourage every person to take communion. Um, if you need prayer, I want to encourage you during this song to come down the front and we'll begin to pray and minister with people. Um, but let's uh, not let this moment pass without truly holding every thought captive, taking communion and honouring God with that. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Amen. Amen.